Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning to you. How's everybody doing today? We good? We're good. Hey, for those that are in the room, we've been having some technical difficulties all day long. The only reason I reference it is because if something goes wrong, we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep going. We're just gonna plow through. If you're watching online, everything should be okay for you. At least they're telling me most of the issues are here in the room. But I just wanna stop and say thank you to our media team. They have worked incredibly hard. And for those that have been with us for the last several weeks, you know we've had some crazy things happen during our Sunday services. And we just say, hey, we got technical difficulties. And maybe you're thinking if you attend here regularly, like, why can't y'all figure it out? Like they've been working hard all week long. And sometimes when we recreate it, we fix it. And then other times, some of the issues are not like recreating until we show up on Sunday. So maybe that's the enemy. Maybe it's just bad luck. Whatever you want to believe, you can believe it. But man, we have an incredible team. Uh, I have said for a long time about church sound men, you don't really know they exist till something goes wrong, right? Like it's like, I didn't even know they were back there until you turn around to find out why something's not happening. But man, they work incredibly hard all week long. They come, volunteer their time to work on it. And they work on it all Sunday. Uh, During the first service, we were having some issues and there were people like running outside around the building to try to plug stuff into different places. And so I'm just thankful for this incredible team. And I want them to know that if it goes wrong, you know what? It's okay. Uh, We're going to keep just going ahead and we're going to go to God's word in just a second. But you heard a few things just a minute ago that I want to make sure you don't miss. There's a lot of great things happening. I love child dedication on days like this because for Generations Church to be able to say, hey, we're about the next generation and we're about making sure that generations are passing faith to one another. I'm thankful to be a part of days like this. Uh, And then also for us to be able to anticipate what's coming this next weekend, Friday night, seven o'clock, Sunday, 9, 15 and 11, these three services, identical candlelight Christmas services. And I hope that you'll be a part of it, you and your family. I would ask you to go to g.church, click on the events tab or open up the church center app, go to the events tab there and just register your family for the number of seats that you need. We'll have children's ministry and all of those services. It's going to be a really special celebration of Christmas. So I want you to be here next weekend for that. Uh, And then you heard Pastor Trevor talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. It begins January the 3rd. It's going to be a great time for us to really consecrate ourselves and ask God to to help us in 2021. I had a friend tell me the other day, they said, you know, I've watched the ball drop so many times that I don't even stay up anymore. Like, I'm not worried about it. I know it drops. And so I just go to bed early and it's fine. He was like, I'm going to stay up this year. He was like, I'm going to make sure 2020 leaves. That's what I'm going to work on. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you need 2021 to get here quick. But whatever that looks like for you, we want you to start the year with us, 21 days of prayer and fasting. You'll hear more about that as we get a little closer, but we want you to make plans to be with us for those 21 days in different ways. Uh, Today, we are continuing in a series that we started last week, uh, really called Christmas at Generations Church. Just an opportunity for us to look at the Christmas story, maybe in a little different way here at Generations Church. So maybe you have ever or perhaps just in a long time. And to do so, what we did last week is we started in the Old Testament. You can definitely go to the Gospels and you can look at all the different ways that the Christmas story begins or is told in the New Testament. But the Old Testament tells some incredible stories that lead us to that Christmas story. And last week, we spent some time in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 9 because we're going to begin there again Today, What we said last week is that Isaiah is one of the major prophets. In the Old Testament, there are books of law, there are books of poetry, and then there 
there are these major and minor prophets. And it doesn't mean that the major prophets are necessarily more important than the minor prophets. It really just indicates how large the book is, the text is in the scripture that you have there. And so Isaiah is one of those major prophets. And a prophet is someone who tells in advance, who foretells something that's going to happen. So it's not just like you taking a good guess. Like, I think my team's going to win tonight. I got a good feeling. No, prophecy is, is empowerment by the spirit of God to speak something in advance of it taking place. To know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it just cut off. We're going to keep going. To know beyond any shadow of a doubt that through the power of God, I'm going to grab this microphone now. Here we go. I got this one. I'm going to wait just a second. We good? Check, 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 check. I'll keep waking. We're good. We're good. We're good. Hey, there we go. We got it. So to know that through the power of God, the spirit of God, that something God gave these prophets an indication that a Messiah, the anointed one, was coming. And so what, what we learn as you read through these Old Testament scriptures is that some of them are over a thousand years before Jesus came to the earth. The prophet Isaiah is speaking here about 700 years in advance of Jesus coming to, to the earth. And so these hundreds of years in advance, Isaiah is speaking to tell the people that the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior is coming to the earth. This is what we read last week, beginning in Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse six. It says this, it says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so we recognize that this is a prophecy that actually is continuing from Isaiah chapter 7. This is one of 40 specific prophecies about Jesus. There are over 400 prophecies that are generally speaking about the Messiah. And then Jesus comes and is born, and we see all of these prophecies fulfilled. It's incredible. And so when we look at this prophecy, we see several things that are taking place. A child to be born, a son, it's going to be a son. He's going to be a political figure, which we see taking place there. And he even foretells some of the other things that we believe are still to come. And then we see these incredible names that are given for, he shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Well, last week we looked at the first of those, the first few of those, but look at this in the King James translation of scripture. This is what it actually says. It reads a little bit differently. It says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. We can stop right there. But last week what we looked at is that the word wonderful wasn't just an adjective to the noun counselor. It was a name. It was a title. It's capital W with a comma after to indicate that his name would be called Wonderful. He was full of wonder. He was awe-inspiring. And so we, we said some of us have lost the sense of wonder at Christmas. But we also see that he's a counselor. So many of us walk through life feeling like we've got to do it on our own, that we're left to our own devices to figure it all out. But we recognize that a counselor is someone who listens, who guides, who helps. And so he's a wonderful counselor. He's a perfect counselor. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we also looked last week at the fact that he is the mighty God, not a God, but the God, the one that we are to worship. And he's strong and powerful and he's greater than anything we would have need of, anything that we would face 
in this life. And so we looked at all of these things to recognize that God gave us this incredible gift of Jesus, and he gave us names and titles to help us understand his character and his nature. So today I want to look at these next two that we have. And so what we just read a little bit, I'm going to read it again, but in Isaiah there it said that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Today I just want us to look at this idea of, of, of uh, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And so if I start talking about everlasting father, the word everlasting sounds like something that can only take place in a movie. It sounds like something that is kind of outside our understanding of the way that time works. We are limited in our finite brains by time. And so much of our life is constricted by time, right? We have 24 hours in a day and, and we have a work week. Maybe it's Monday through Friday or some variation. Even when you come here, you might plan that you're gonna be here for about an hour or so and then you're gonna go to lunch, but you wanna hit it at the right time so the line's not long where you're wanting to go. And so we're just, we're limited by time. But God is not limited in the same way that you and I are limited in our understanding of how time actually works. And Isaiah 55 tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we start to think about that even, we try to recognize that, okay, that's just like this general understanding that God thinks differently than I think that God operates differently than I operate. And so that helps me to understand that maybe there are some things about God and his character and his nature that I can't fully comprehend and I must live by faith, which is the evidence of things I can't see and the, the things that I can't put in like concrete factors here on the earth. And then I come to a scripture like 2 Peter chapter 3, verse eight that says this. It says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And I start to wrestle with a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Well, that, that's crazy to me. Yesterday was my and Corey's 17th wedding anniversary. Praise God for that. That would have been a great spot for you to just amen me, right? That's okay. No, no, I'm not looking. No, I don't need you. To, I don't need your pity. It's fine. I don't need your pity, right? 17 anniversaries, which is awesome. Uh, but there's so much about the 17 years that has flown by. I mean, it seems like it was just yesterday that we were anticipating our wedding and we had the wedding and, and, and so many of the events have just kind of passed by so quickly in our minds. But then there are other aspects of that 17 years together. It's like, man, it, it, it seems like that was so long ago. We can't, even, we can't even remember some of those events because it seems like it was forever ago. And so we start to think about how time sometimes it, it compresses in our minds or it seems longer in our minds. And the reason that that's important is because the way that I approach God so often is to try to rush God to get on my timeline. And because everything in my life seems urgent, my to-do list is, con is confined to today, or if I've got to roll something to tomorrow or next week, it seems like I've, I've missed out on being efficient or effective, and so I'm, I'm constantly rushing. How often do you ask someone, how are you doing, and their answer is, I'm busy. I'm so busy. I'm just trying to keep my head above water, man. I'm just trying to keep this thing moving in the right direction. We're just, we're just so busy. And so when we come to God, we want God to operate on our timeline, we want God to operate on our schedule and, and the way that we want God to move is when we want him to move right now. But with God, time is something different than you and I would view it. A day is like a thousand years with the Lord. Matthew Henry's commentary about this verse of scripture says this. It says, all things past and present and future are ever before him. And the de delay of a thousand years cannot be so much to him as the deferring of anything for a day or an hour is 
to us. If somebody asks you, hey, can you, can you meet me tomorrow? And you're like, oh man, can I meet you the next day? That one day's delay is the same as recognizing how God sometimes delay in his patience and his kindness towards us because he knows what's best for us. He is outside of time, which is, is kind of incomprehensible to us in, in the way that our finite minds would understand time. Revelation chapter one, verse eight. John the Revelator here in this revelation he has, this is talking about Jesus himself. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. Who is and who was and who is to come. Another place in scripture tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This idea that he is in the past and in the present and in our future all at the same time, it's mind-boggling. And yet God wanted us to know through the prophet Isaiah that the gift of Christmas, that unto us a child would be born, and that child was going to be everlasting. And he was not just going to be everlasting, he was going to be the everlasting father. So you confused yet, right? You trying to track here? The everlasting nature of God, we might can comprehend, but to try to put that together with Jesus is something so many of us miss. Look at this in John chapter one, beginning in verse one. We'll skip to verse 14 in a second. I'll tell you when we get there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, I don't wanna necessarily do what we did last week where we just have an English lesson the whole time, but the word, word is a capital W. It is a name. And so in the beginning was a name, was a person. So who is that person? Well, verse 14 tells us that that person is the glory of the Son, the Son of God, Jesus come to earth, who came to earth and put on skin, we referenced last week the message paraphrase, put on skin and moved into the neighborhood. He made his dwelling among us. And so this everlasting Father, Jesus, the Son, comes to earth And that's important for us because we need to recognize that in our impatience, God is not in a hurry. And what they used to sing on Sunday nights at the church I grew up on, grew up in is that God is an on-time God. Yes, he is. That's what they sang in my church. And here's here's the problem. When I pray sometimes, I forget that he's always on time. Whenever he shows up, that's exactly when I needed him to show up, whether I recognized it or not. He isn't obligated to answer my prayers on my timeline. But not only is he everlasting, he's an everlasting father. He's not just some detached being in the cosmos. He gave us language here and imagery to convey relationship. But father and the image of father in scripture, which is used so often, tends to break down with a lot of us because all we have to use to connect the dots is the image of our earthly father. And for some of you, maybe that's not a huge leap. Maybe you have a great relationship with your earthly father, and so to think of God as a heavenly father, it makes sense. For others of us, maybe the image of our earthly father breaks down as we try to superimpose that on this loving heavenly father because we just don't really have a great relationship with our earthly father. Maybe this was the guy who told us he loved us and then he left us. And we try to reconcile that with a view of a heavenly father who who loves his children and and we're not sure how to reconcile that identity. 
Or maybe this is the guy that was here on the earth and lived in our home and in some way created an environment where there was physical or verbal or emotional abuse in some way and we carry those wounds with us now. And to try to worship a heavenly father with this view of our earthly father in mind, we just can't make it work. And that's difficult. And when we talk about he is our wonderful counselor, perhaps that counseling piece, both the spiritual aspect, but also the earthly aspect, helps us to deal with those wounds and those things. And we believe in counseling. And I would encourage you to to get in with with a, a Christian counselor that can help you dig into those hurts and those pains to help you reconcile this image that God desires for us to know. But in the time that we have today, I couldn't fully unpack all of that. So I would just say to you, if your dad was or is the greatest man on the face of the earth, Imagine God the Father as the embodiment of all of your dad's strengths and more and none of his weaknesses. Maybe he was an incredible man who loved you and supported you and always showed up, but he had a little bit of a temper. Then you take that piece out and you just continue to elevate the idea, the ideal of what fatherhood could be. And that's what you're worshiping and that's the relationship he desires to have with you. Maybe you would look at it and go, hey, my dad was the worst man on the face of the earth. And what I would say to you is imagine God the Father as the exact opposite of everything you imagine and remember about your dad. And again, I don't have time to unpack all of those thoughts, but it is for me this truth that God wants you to see him as your heavenly father. And he desires relationship with you. And in desiring relationship with you, he wants you to see him in the light that he's presented himself to you as an everlasting father. He was and is and is to come. He is ever present He's bigger than anything you're facing and he's close enough to dry your tears and to celebrate and joy with all of the things that you're walking through. He is our everlasting father. So let's look at the last piece here from Isaiah chapter nine. He is the prince of peace, the prince of peace. Now, there's so many places in scripture where God is defined or is named king, And so when I think about that, I tried to reconcile here, what would Isaiah be speaking about? Because if I think about king, okay, I recognize, okay, I can get that. I got the father, he's the king, I'm tracking. And maybe it's just an easy leap to take us from king to prince, he's the son. But scripture tells us there in Isaiah that the government would be upon his shoulders. And so he's establishing a kingdom, but he would have to become king to rule. And so we see here this picture of the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son, uniquely blended together in this amazing idea of of what God has created here. And so this Prince of Peace is for us to recognize that he too is in relationship with us. And he's establishing something on the earth for us. And so where does this picture of peace come from? It comes right from what we've, we've read and memorized so many of us all of our lives. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God, the king, loved the earth, loved the people of the earth, loved humanity, loved you, loved me enough to send his beloved son to the earth. He sent the prince to come and to do something. So what did he do? Verse 17 says that he came to save the world, not to condemn it. Our view sometimes of God is that he is a God of wrath and he is a God of judgment, and he is, but he's also patient and a loving heavenly father that wants to provide for you all that is necessary for you to be forgiven and to receive grace And mercy. So Jesus, the Son, the Prince, came not to condemn, but to save the world through 
himself. But, but where does the peace, peace come from? Where does this idea of peace come from? What is it that it is peaceful? Because so much of the world seems in chaos so often. Where, where do we find peace in the midst of all this? I was reading a few weeks ago in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, we come to this incredible passage of Scripture in verses 13 through 18. And it says this, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who was made, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. The son came not to condemn the world, but to save it. And the son, this prince came to provide peace to two groups of people. These two groups of people are present in this room today. They'll be present next weekend when we celebrate Christmas. They're present in your home. They're present in your job. They're present in our schools. These two groups are always around. They are those who are far off from God and those who are near to him. Now, each group has its own set of challenges. Those who are far off may not yet recognize their need for God. And those who are near may feel like they are near enough that they don't need God. And yet the God of peace, this Prince of Peace comes not to allow the law with all of its commands and its regulations to find us guilty because all of us would fall short. There's no way you can keep all of the law and all of the commands of these Old Testament commandments. And so Jesus came and he said, hey, I'm the fulfillment of the law. I'm the one that can provide peace to you because when the day of judgment comes and it will come, my father doesn't have to look to the law to find your guilt or your innocence. If you're in relationship with me, you've received me as your savior because of the blood that I shed on the cross. We just read about here in Ephesians chapter two. All he has to do when he's judging you is look to me. I provide peace. In this holiday season, so many of our staff and Corey and I, we've, we've been meeting with people in our church and in our community. And so many of them have shared, I'm, I just need peace. I just wanna be able to lay my head down on my pillow at night and be able to go to sleep. But there's so many things that are tormenting my mind. So many things that I'm wrestling with, so much shame and guilt and regret that I just don't know how to calm it all. I don't, just, I don't know how to still it. I don't know how to quiet it. And I just need some peace. Scripture tells us that he can give to us. He can exchange all the chaos in our minds and all the torment in our minds and all of the things that we're wrestling with. He can exchange with all of those things and he can give to us a peace that passes all understanding. And it can guard our hearts and our minds, not in your strength, not in my strength, but in Christ Jesus, Scripture says. He is the Prince of Peace. And in this holiday season, As we get closer and closer to Christmas, closer and closer to gifts and all of the things that come with it, my hope is that the words of Isaiah chapter nine, the prophecy, the words that came before his birth by hundreds and hundreds of years, 
a declaration that his name would be called Wonderful. And his name would be called Counselor. And his name would be called Mighty God. That his name would be called Everlasting Father. And his name would be called Prince of Peace would be enough for you today. And I know some of you, you may go, I I don't really need a counselor today. I'm okay. That's why I love so much what God did here in the construct of scripture. If he would have just given us one name, maybe you feel like you don't need that name right now. You don't need that part of his character and his nature. But he gives us so many aspects to understand who he is and how we can approach him. And maybe you need the might and the strength of God today. Maybe you need the Prince of Peace to calm your heart and your mind. Maybe you need a father. You just need to feel his presence and relationship and his love and his concern and his compassion for you. Maybe you need his timelessness when you feel so rushed and so busy and so anxious about all that is before you. You just need to know that God is not anxious about the things that make you anxious. Maybe you need one of the other aspects of all of the various names that are present about the gift of Jesus at Christmas. And whatever it is that you need today, he is available to you. I'm gonna ask you right where you're at to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. Those watching online, I invite you to do the same. If today you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know that I am not in a relationship with Jesus Christ and I need to ask him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life. We wanna pray for you and I would love for you to respond. Those here in the room and those watching online, some tangible response. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? When you're watching online, maybe you drop that into the chat and you let us know you're making that decision today so we can pray for you. And maybe you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, it's not, not even really about salvation. I, I just wanna, I wanna really fully awaken to one of these names we've been talking about these last two weeks. I need to remember the wonder of Christmas. I need to see him as a counselor, a helper, a guide in this season. I need the might of God. I need that everlasting father to be present to me or maybe I just need the prince of peace to bring stillness to my storms. If that's you and you just need one of those aspects to come alive in your heart this Christmas season, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I wanna pray for you today. Thank you so much. If you're watching online, again, I encourage you to respond. Don't just watch, respond right there and let us know how we can pray for you. God, we love you today and we thank you for the chance to gather in person and online to worship together, to experience your presence and your power. God, we pray that everything we've experienced would challenge us and it would change us. It's not just going through the motions, but God, this is something that you desire to meet with us. And God, now I pray with every person that acknowledged their need for you, I pray, God, that you would forgive their sins and lead their lives from this moment forward. God, we believe you're changing their eternity, so we celebrate with heaven for those decisions that are being made today. And God, we pray that you would guard them and protect them as they walk these days out. And God, I pray now for every person who needs one of these aspects we've been talking about these last two weeks just to come alive in their hearts. God, I pray for those who need the wonder of Christmas again. I pray for those who need the counselor and the guide to help them as they navigate these days. I pray, God, for those who need the mighty God to show up on their behalf. I pray, Lord, for those who need the everlasting Father to be present in their, in their situation, in their circumstances, in their lives, in their home. And God, I pray for the Prince of Peace to guard their hearts and minds for those who are in chaos today. And God, we thank you that in this Christmas season, we can worship you and celebrate you. We thank you for the baby Jesus come to earth, the fulfillment of these prophecies, but the beginning of his presence. And God, we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.